Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy for the Ages, the show where father and son sit down and talk about something in a fantasy book. I'm the son of that equation, Zach. And I'm the father, Jim. Thanks for being with us again here today as we journey a little further into Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time, book four, The Shadow Rising. Never heard of it. Liar! Liar! Hey, this is the 90th episode. I know you have freaking heard of this by now. I mean, maybe. <laughs> There's no denying it or getting out of it. Uh, uh, it's impossible. How you doing, Dad? I'm, I'm doing good, but I'm also, I'm bugged. I'm bugged by something, and I must speak up. Oh, the no. truth must be known. Now that we're recording these straight to YouTube, that means we can be seen. So we need to be seen more, what's the word, centrist? Central? I don't know. We need to get your head more in the middle of your picture. <laughs> you know, just just for you, I'm going I'm to be over here. Stop it! it <laughs> oh, it's just something I noticed. You know, you're a little leaning to the right. So there we go. It's my left. <laughs> there you go. But otherwise, hey, I'm great. It's a Saturday. I didn't have anything to do today except read some good Dresden Files stuff and then spend some time prepping for the podcast and then jumping in here. So, woohoo. How you doing? I'm doing okay. I haven't been working today. Been just off. Oh, I finally watched Encanto. Encanto? I'm not a Spanish speaker, so I'm Encanto not Encanto is what I've heard. Not that I've actually watched it. But it was quite good. Quite entertaining. A little bit uh, predictable, but that's not why you go and watch it. You go and watch it's it for a Disney being... thing. It's Disney, exactly. Right? Of course, it, it's so predictable. it's entertaining, decent music, good animation, and a good family story. Little little Spanish. Is there some Spanish in there? Is it? There was. Uh, if you're not a Spanish speaker, there's a song near the end that just kind of plays over some scene stuff that I think it's really good to put on subtitles because it's really beautiful. But that's my two cents. Okay. Is there a Bruno Mars song in it? No, there is a Bruno, and we don't talk about Bruno. Oh, <laughs> Discord said is the Bruno song, and I'm like, Bruno Mars? What? Okay, so Bruno, and we won't talk about Bruno because this is not the Encanto episode. This is a Shadow Rising episode. So we should move on to that, shall we? But we can't really do much about that unless we know what we're drinking. Fair enough. It's not one of these episodes unless we're drinking something. What are you drinking, Zach? So I'm drinking something a little interesting. It's not how I thought it was going to look. But I'm okay with that. It just looks less appealing than initially I thought. Okay. I'm calling it the Bubbling Evil. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it is. Hold on. Hold on. I got, I got a, I think I can do something with that. Hang on. Boom. Let's see. Anyone wow. who just saw it go full screen is now grossed out because <laughs> <laughs> it is whatever your choice of bubbly liquid would be. My, I used Coke to start. And then my son uh, used Coke. Sure. Don't take that out of context, please. Then vodka and grenadine. And then floated on top theoretically some irish cream however my plan had been that it would be sitting on top and the bubbles would come through and it did not do that it went down and kind of curdled it 
Yummy. But it kind of works because then it did make a film that it bubbles through, but it also is throughout and you can see the revolving bubbles going up and down through. So it's very cool. That is pretty cool. But if you don't like a textured drink, don't drink this. So did you make this with in mind that we are guest appearing on an episode all about drinking with the Wheel of Time later today? Yes and no. This one's about our episode. I have a different one planned for that. Oh, okay. So if you're listening to this when we actually drop this eventually, we'll already have done that other episode. That's on Malkir Talks YouTube channel. So go look for it. It's uh, a great one. The the drinks of Wheel of Time. It's got a different name for it. What's it actually called? It's um Watt Tales. Duh. That was which our, is I thought that was our what name. we coined. We coined it, <laughs> yes. And Rob is our friend. So he's doing this, and of course we're on it what tales all right i however what'd you make since we are gonna have that all about booze later i went simple this time Water. and i i have a beer oh I just have a beer now it's a good beer it's to shoots black butte porter you know beer isn't real beer if you can see through it so this is nice and dark in my I, dusty wheel mug yeah i don't agree you can definitely see through good beer Yes, Emmeline, it's chewy. Apparently, my dad just had a lot of bad, <laughs> light American beer. Well, so there you go. I'm just going with a beer. I also ran out of time to do anything different, so I had enough <laughs> time to crack open a beer. There you go. But I'll have something unusual and creative for the, the live stream later today. Now I'm scared. And you should be. <laughs> okay. Uh, a few tiny little details here before we jump into content. Mm -hmm. We want to remind you, if you enjoy what you see here today, like this video, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't okay. miss out on any of the content we're going to be bringing out, and join us in Discord. Great place to interact with other people who also like this sort of fantasy and sci-fi stuff that we talk mm -hmm. about in Fantasy for the Ages. And if you're listening to this in the audio feed, please rate and review us. We'd love some more reviews so we can give you a little time in the spotlight and read what you said. And those uh, ratings, the stars, uh, they help people find our podcast. So please, either on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts, help us spread the word. And if you want to go next level, if you want to be like Emmalyn and Jordo right now who are here with us today in our live recording, mm -hmm. become a Patreon supporter. Uh, help us keep this going it helps cover the costs a little bit but more so it just gives you the opportunity to be part of our activity on a higher level and come crack jokes with us have your interactions as we're doing the recordings and we super appreciate all of the patreon support we do also make once a month videos that are just for our patrons <laughs> so you get stuff okay <laughs> The only other thing I wanted to point out before we get yes. into this is reminder, this is a spoiler light episode. So if you have not read before, if you're a first time reader working through the Wheel of Time, we will not ruin your experience. It's totally okay to listen to this. Yes, what we covered today will only highlight what you ought to notice about foreshadowing or significant events, but not telling you why. You got to read to figure out for yourself. Now, that being said, it is spoiler light. So if you haven't read this part of the book at all. Stop now. Well, I guess we are spoiling that. Mm -hmm. I mean, theoretically, if someone didn't even want to read The Wheel of Time, but wanted to know the whole story, our podcast is great for that. It would work. Yeah. You could cheat that way. I don't recommend it, 
No. There are other methods that include actually reading it or audiobooking it, which counts as reading it. But it would work. If you're going to audiobook, though, if that's your style, you could do us instead. It would probably be shorter. It would be cheaper. <laughs> However, the audiobooks are amazing by Michael Kramer and Kate Redding. And I know Rosamund Pike's putting out a version now, too. I don't know if she's going to keep doing those. The first book is available. I hear people like listening to her, too. All right. Let's get into our content. We're looking at chapter two today. Usually we will not only do one chapter for an episode, but yeah. this is another freaking long chapter. I don't think it's quite as long as the first chapter. No, no, not quite. But it's pretty close. Yeah, and it, I, th I think the recording is coming out, well, it'll drop tomorrow, what we did last week, and it was a good hour, 45 minutes to get through. Yeah, oops. And that's with editing it down a bit, so, hmm. I don't think we'll go quite so long this time. <laughs> this begins chapter two, Whirlpools in the Pattern, as we finally get back to the main action of the story. We're in tier, and this is a couple weeks after the end of the Dragon Reborn, when all that stuff happened, Rand and Aiel conquered the stone. It's been long enough that that's old news. Yes. Uh, Rand is formally announced to the world, I am the Dragon Reborn, fear me. Okay, Whatever. maybe not the last part, but kind of. So there's been enough time that we're not on absolute lockdown and tier anymore. The world is starting to get back to normal with things, and yet it's a new normal. And we're going to see what are some of our main players up to during this time now. Three different POVs. We're going to check in with Perrin, then we'll do Matt, and then, of course, we got to see what's up with Rand. Let's go see the boys. But let's start with our buddy Perrin. Good yeah. guy, Perrin. Hey, guess who Perrin's hanging out with? Fael. Yeah. They are together in Perrin's room. Book says, his room. I want to highlight that. Because there was a reference in our conversation with our guests in our mm -hmm. big Dragon Reborn wrap-up episode where, you know, I'd ask the question, okay, between what happened at the end of Dragon Reborn, where Perrin saves Fael, and then this, where the book gets started again, did the two of them have relations, to put it that delicately? That is the most oddly delicate way you could have put it, but sure. Um, okay, did they do it, finally? You know. But no, it was supposed, probably, because they were sharing a room by here, and apparently not. They are not sharing a room. It's clear this is Perrin's room. And Fael is ticked because she thinks Perrin should have got a better room. But it's not Perrin and Fael's room. It's Perrin's room. Now, I have to wonder, is it is it Perrin's room or is it Perrin's room and Fael's also always there? There's nothing in this that indicates Fael's stuff is in the room. That she lives in this room. No, she's got her own life going on. And there's more evidence that comes up in here where I, I can point to the fact that, honestly, I never believed they'd had sex yet. Mm -mm. All of our guests seem to think so in that last episode, but I don't think so. I'll, I'll make my point as we go a little further into this. But what it really comes down to is, I think Perrin is still this innocent Two Rivers boy with his traditional upbringing and sensibilities. And despite... We're on the TV show. That didn't matter. And Rand and Egwene were doing it already. I don't think that's the way it was in the books. So I don't think Perrin has gone that far yet. 
I don't think there's necessarily think anything wrong with thinking that they may have. However, uh, what we know about Robert Jordan and his proclivities to be terrible at writing sex scenes, yeah, they haven't done it. And there's more evidence coming up for that as to how far their relationship has progressed. We'll get to that a little bit later here. But they're definitely in a relationship, okay? Now, how they're viewing the relationship may differ between the two of them. Uh, we'll, we'll look into that. But they're having a conversation right now. And it is initially focused, as I said, about the room and Fail not being satisfied. Perrin could have had a better room. He's just in a... It's a room in the Stone of Tear. Not every schmuck can have a, ro a room no. in the Stone of Tear. It's noted that this is a relatively fancy room, but it's also basically as simple as he could get them to give him. Because they went, oh, you're a friend of this Dragon Reborn guy who's now in charge? That puts you at least on status with a lord, if not a high lord. It would be an offense to us if you slept in anything. And could Perrin have insisted, no, I'll take a servant's quarters or the defender's quarter? Yeah. And been slapping them in the face. So he went, <laughs> uh, fine, fine, I guess. So he kind of has the nicest common room or the, the commonest upper tier room. You know, it, it's something, something like it's that. kind of a compromise, you know? I just, I'm just a guy. No, you're important. And Fayul's like, you're important. Come on, you should have this room. And so they have a difference in perspective, he and Fayul. I like to think if you went into like a penthouse suite, but then took out all the fancy appliances and furniture, but the art was still stuck left on the walls, that's what you get left with. I mean, he's got this one big, beautiful room with all sorts mm -hmm. of nice stuff in it. And Fayul's like, you only have one room. Yeah, it should be I mean, multiple rooms. There the should be multiple. Room and... Exactly. And he just doesn't get that. What What is your issue with this? Now, that's part of the thing, too, is he's like, okay, what's the big deal? I'm friends with Rand, so now I'm suddenly important. And she's like, your personal close friend of the Lord Dragon. Yes, that makes you important. And he just doesn't look at Rand that way. It's just Rand. And he, and he doesn't see it as changing who he is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whereas Fayul can't ever look at Rand and just see Rand. It's the Dragon Reborn. You know, it's this lofty, incredibly important per person, and therefore Perrin must be an incredible, lofty person as well. Now, there's other things that are coloring her perspective on this where she's coming from, that we're not going to talk about yet. Although we just did. We're going to learn more about Feel, Fayil. We're going to learn more about Feel, I called her. I, yeah, yeah, we're going to learn that she has feelings. Wait, what? No, what? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's harsh. Uh, oh, <laughs> All right, before we go on more into the conversation the two of them are having, which almost starts to descend into an argument or a heated discussion. I want to note that there is something bothering Perrin. And it's this thing on his face. He's growing a beard now. He doesn't want to grow a beard. It's itchy. And I can testify. I'm a guy with a beard. Mine's fine. But I've had a beard since I was 29. When mm. you first grow it in, it itches. It bugs you. A couple times you got rid of it. I have. And um, it was never but, right. But... <laughs> <laughs> I used to do a lot of drama, a lot of acting, and sometimes I'd have to shave my face for the role I was playing. And 
first time my kids were around and old enough to notice when I did that, they're like, put it back, put it back. It's wrong. So I haven't taken the beard off in a long time. I've let it grow a lot longer. I had a pretty sweet pandemic beard early there, earlier in 2020, or just whoosh. I should get that picture out. I could show people. It's impressive. Maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, he's growing this thing. And every day he's like, this is it. I'm going to shave it off. I'm done. And yet somehow he doesn't because. Well, between two things. One, uh, I could testify that uh, you often get lazy and it's just like, this is annoying. I should get rid of it. But you don't get around to it. But more notably, when peer pressure from someone you think is cute tells you, no, keep it. I like it. You do. Whether well, you think it's it. a good decision or not. Exactly it. Fayul really likes it. And so he's a sucker for that. All right. He'll just have to keep it around. Back to the discussion. Fayul is now moving on to saying, you know, you're you're really important around here. You should stand up for your rights more. You should say, hey, I'm I'm a close friend of the Dragon Reborn. And so, you know, I, I am deserving of some recognition. But someone who's not recognizing it at all anymore seems to be Rand. He hasn't heard from Rand in days. Rand has got nothing but time for the High Lords. And he's spending all his days working with the High Lords and maybe interacting with the Aiel a little, but he's not got time for his friends anymore. So she's kind of like, I don't know, maybe I don't want to be around here anymore. Maybe it's time to move along because... We're not even needed. And she's like, you know, in fact, I'm pretty sure I could leave now and Moraine would, would let me. I mean, everybody knows Rand's the Dragon Reborn now. There's no reason for me to be kept here. So I'm thinking I should go. And Perrin... Perrin puts his foot in his mouth. Yeah, what does he do? He says, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You probably could go. You probably should go. I could give you some money. Uh, you could get out of here. That ticks her off. Yeah. Why? What did? What is Perrin missing, well, Zach? She's trying to be uh, kind of a cutesy manipulative and be like, tell me you want me to stay, and that's why I need to stay. And it's like, if I'll just use your words, because Perrin doesn't get it. He's being a good guy and goes, yes, go be safe. Yeah. Even more so, you know, this is part of how Fayil plays games. And spoiler light, pay attention to that. Fayil plays games. That's a little bit of what's going on here. I sense from Perrin's reaction when she really makes it clear she's not happy with his response that she's already been pulling these playing games things for a few days here now. Of course, this is part of her personality and Perrin's been around her for a while now. He loses his temper at her reaction. It's like, yes, I want you to stay. Okay, I'm not trying to say I don't like you and be gone, woman. But it's dangerous around here. I mean, staying by Rand, there's Forsaken who could be attacking again. Leaving might be the better call. That's all I'm saying. He is being honest. He's being caring. But he ain't got any time for that BS games. <laughs> That's right. So she she does agree. Okay, it's probably not safe to be here. So I do want to leave. But I want you to come with. That's where she's driving this. I don't want to leave you, Perrin. I want to leave with you. 
And, you know, you said, okay, it's not maybe safe around Rand. Well, that means it's not safe around for you either, okay? Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be around Rand. Forsaken might come and attack again, and if that happens, bystanders are not going to be safe. And even if they don't come, he's the Dragon Reborn. The dragon was called Luz Theron Kinslayer. Killed all his friends and family, ring any bells, and Perrin's like, yeah, but that's not Rand, right? I mean, it is, but it's not... He wouldn't, he wouldn't do that. He says he may be the dragon reborn. That doesn't mean he's doomed to do all the same things that the previous dragon did. Does it? We'll find out. Now if Ayil decides to get more explicit. All right, point blank. Come with me if you want to live. Okay, we can be gone before anyone notices. <laughs> she says, I've talked with Bane and Chiad, who are two of the Ayil maidens of the spear we met in the last book. And she's been hanging out with them. She's made friends. And from them, she's learned that Moraine does sometimes ask where Perrin is. Asks where Matt is as well. From which, Bayo's been able to deduce, Moraine can't use the one power to find out where they are. I think it's hilarious that so much extra movement and subterfuge was necessary to find out. I said I can't scry on people. Mm-hmm. But... They have reputations. You don't know what they can do. And that's, that's, they, they play with that. Absolutely. They want people thinking they can do more than they can. But she's saying, so escape, it truly is possible. We could be gone before anyone notices and they won't be able to find us. Perrin then reveals, okay, it's not that I don't want to go with you, but I, I don't think I can go with you. Like literally something to do with my being Taviran or, or something. I have this clear feeling in my gut that I need to be with Rand. Rand's destiny is tied to mine and Matt's. And if he's going to succeed at what he's supposed to do, that means there's things, Perrin, Matt, there's things we have to do. Mm -hmm. And right now, I think that means being here. He's being I don't know why. very perceptive of this Taviran pulling that seems to be happening. And he's apparently been talk in talks with Loyal some, and maybe even Moraine to find out you know maybe that's right maybe that's how this works nobody really knows yeah yeah Fahil's like okay so you think you're supposed to be with him didn't Moraine tell you that because you know how she manipulates things and he's like no 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 I figured this out on my own I'm not such a dumb cookie mm -hmm. come on and I ran it past Loyal our friendly neighborhood Ogier and Loyal knows stuff. And he thinks I might be onto something. She wants to say, Loyal, come on, he doesn't know anything. Perrin's like, he's 90 freaking years old and he reads a lot. Okay? Honestly, Fael tries to kind of clap back and just be like, 90 is younger than you. Yeah, it's older, <laughs> but he is a child. He's a child. <laughs> well, Fael then makes a telling comment at this point in the conversation. And this is something first-time readers should really particularly note. She says, poor Perrin, I left Saldea to find adventure. And now that I'm in the heart of one, the greatest since the breaking, all I want to do is go somewhere else. You just want to be a blacksmith and you're going to end up in the stories whether you want it or not. Hmm. Honestly, this feels unnecessary in this conversation. It's good for us as readers to see. <laughs> but in the conversation, in the argument, it just feels underhanded and kind of bitchy. 
<laughs> Perrin, by the way, he's like, stories? There's no reason anyone would ever include me in stories. I happen to be friends with the Dragon Reborn, but there's nothing special about me. Of course I have that secret. A secret he's managed to not reveal to Fael at all yet. She doesn't know anything about this part of him. What is he thinking of? Uh, I don't know what you could possibly be talking about. It's definitely not a dead wife. That's just the show. <sighs> yeah, let's not talk about that. Let's not <laughs> talk about that. No, his, his wolfiness. Yeah, he's a wolf boy. And uh, that may come into something that's a little unusual. That might end up putting him into a story. And uh, let's see, at this point in their conversation... I want to say again, there's clear evidence that they haven't been sleeping together. Because Fayil comments on, it's a fine mess you have me in, Perrin, as to whether I should go or not when you won't go. And Perrin doesn't understand. He's like, if you know, if you want to go, go. I don't, I don't understand what the problem is. And she's like, if you don't know what the problem is, well, I'm certainly not going to tell you. And it is, she pictures themselves in, in a real relationship. And he doesn't see it quite as strong yet. She's a woman of her own if she wants to go. And I'm like, okay, knowing Perrin, knowing the two rivers, how he's raised, if they're already sleeping together, there's no way she's, he's just saying, yeah, go ahead. It's so, fine. Again, I see what you're saying. However, this is 100% your confirmation bias, jumping in here and going, you believe this, so this is your what you're throwing in as evidence. Eh, it, you can infer that, but it's not explicit. I think it aligns with what we know about the two rivers and the way they look at things there. What we've learned from the book so far, I think it fits. To the best of our knowledge, I would agree it likely makes sense. However, I do just want to throw out to people listening, this is not hard evidence and proof of that fact. Don't have any hard evidence or proof the other way either. No, and I'm we not arguing for it. Indications. I'm trying not to put us too far <laughs> on the side of they absolutely haven't based on evidence that isn't actually empirical. Okay. At this point, a cock crows in the darkness outside, which Fayil does not like. She's heard that that's always a bad sign. It indicates somebody's going to die. That's not good. Well, and then, of course, something freaky happens. Earlier on in the conversation, there was a reference to Perrin's axe leaning up against the wall in the room and the hammer that he made recently in a local blacksmith shop right next to it. And Perrin doesn't like the axe. He'd gone over, he picked up the Cor hammer. Correction, he did not make the hammer. He used the hammer to make the barrel tool and was gifted the hammer. Thank you. That is a good correction. Absolutely. So he's got the hammer in his hand now as they've continued to have their conversation. As they're talking about this cock crow sound, they hear thunk. And they turn to the sound and it's the axe and the axe all by itself has fallen over. Perrin didn't bump the axe. There's nothing that should have caused the axe to fall down. So that's kind of puzzling. Doesn't puzzle very long because they get that answer very quickly. Yeah, the axe floats up into the air and comes hurtling across the room straight at Perrin. Ooh, an animated weapon. Let's go. Yeah, this happens all the time. No, this does not. So thankfully, he's got this hammer. And on reflex, he just bats this axe out of the way as it tries to go right into his head. 
Perrin's a strong boy, so his bat wasn't just a little love tap. He knocks it clear across the room. It hits another wall, but it's not done. Nope. It shakes off the hit, realigns, and heads right for Perrin again. This time, though, to get to Perrin, it's flying past Fael. Now, it doesn't pause for Fael. Clearly, Perrin is the target. Now, we say it doesn't pause for Fael, and that's true, except Fael goes... I'm a help. And tries to grab it. That's right. She's no milk sop. She's going to get involved. So she grabs onto the handle. I got it. And it's like, you what? And it twists around. And now it's trying to come right at her. And Perrin very quickly shows off. He's a lot stronger than <laughs> Fael. Because yes. Fael, it's coming at her. And she's like, oh, crap, I'm going to die now. And Perrin's like, I'm going to grab that. And he pulls so hard against whatever force this is going towards Fael that he almost jabs his eye out with a spike on the other side. He does manage to get that just before it did go into her head, though. So good, good, go, good move. Good move, Perrin. All right. Now he's got the axe and he's going to try to stop it somehow. But it's taking all of his strength to resist it because now that he has it, it's twisted around again and it's trying to get at him. He wants to deal with this and he wants Fayil to be safe. Those are his priorities. But he can't really do both at the same time. Yeah, Fayil's priority is to deal with this and keep Perrin safe. Perrin happens to be stronger than Fayil. So he's like, get out of the room. And she's like, no, I won't go. Yes, you need to go. You can't make me. Yes, I can. Opens the door, shoves her out. He's holding the axe with one hand at this point and shoves her out of the room, shoves his back against the door so she can't get back in. And now he's going to try to deal with the axe. So you've got this picture. Perrin is here back against the door, axe in front of him, trying to get at his head. And on the other side, we start hearing, bang, 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 let me back in. You hairy ox, open the door. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Perrin comes up with a move. He pulls a fast one on the axe. He's like, all right, fine, I'll let you have me. Now he doesn't say it out loud, but as he releases his grip, basically, he gets a sense from the axe of, ha ha, you know, and it dives for his head. And what does he do? Gets out of the way. He just shifts right at the last minute and it plows right into the door itself. Which again, nice room, nice sturdy door. Oh yeah, um, solid. This thing had a good amount of force because it buries itself in that door. And then Perrin senses the life that the animation of the axe just kind of fades away. There's a little shimmer, it disappears. No, it's just described as being noticed. I like to think Perrin's wolfy senses would kind of still hear the little twitching and fighting as it was in the door, maybe, and it goes still. Clearly the axe is done. Now, it's not the only thing that's gone still. Perrin realizes he doesn't hear anything from behind the door. He doesn't hear Fayil anymore. Now he's worried. So he pulls the door open and... He sees Fayil right there on the other side of the door, eyes wide, kind of frozen in the motion of about to beat on the door. And, and basically the axe had gotten within like an inch of her nose when it drove through. She was right there and she's like, uh-huh. <laughs> but then when she sees him, she leaps on him, hugs him, kisses him. You're okay. Yay. And then she backs him up. Are you okay? Do you have any injuries? Anything? And he's like, no, no, I'm fine. And then... And then she slaps him. Man, a whack! Full blow. Why? Why'd she slap him? 
Nothing that makes real sense. It is not a healthy reaction <laughs> to slap your partner in this situation. I'm sorry. I mean, it's some not. people She's... are into that sort of thing, but that's not this. That's not what this is. Karen is not consenting, and it is quite clear because the next time she tries again, he catches her hand and stops it in mid motion. It's like, don't do that. She was furious now because of two things. One, he'd scared her. You know, when the room went silent. She thought he might be dead. That axe drove through the door and it may have gone through Perrin into the door for all she knew. So she was terrified and she does not like being scared. But also, she's mad. You didn't let me stay and help. What the heck? Don't do that to me. So uh, when she winds up for that second slap and he stops it and he speaks a little tersely to her, she seems to like it. Now, this is interesting. What kind of woman does Perrin have on his hands that when he takes a forceful, assertive stance and maybe even got a little physical, that it seemed to do something for her? Oh, Fael's 100% a brat. <laughs> a what? Um, This is one of those times where if my dad doesn't know what I'm talking about, I'm not going to go into it. Um, I want to hear the term again. What did you say? A brat. BRAT. And brat doesn't just mean being a brat. I mean, Clearly, does, there's a subtext. It, it doesn't. And um, if you don't know, I'm not going to be the one to tell you. And that's okay. I'm okay I don't with know. that. Discord might want to know too. Nope. We're all older than you, Zach. We don't know these things, maybe. No, no. This is something that has been around since at least before you were, probably. Uh, this community is thriving and out there and i don't want to have we're not that kind of podcast dad jordo does throw this in though so i can ask this safe question is this a shades of gray thing yes okay all right i mean does no, it involve yes. tentacles no okay because that, that's a different shades of gray thing then right i i would argue that's not a shades of gray thing but oh, also man, see, like i don't know I'm not going to sit here in kink shame. That's not me. We're good. Yeah, we've gone down a tangent. Let's move back I on. tried not to. <laughs> you wanted to, though, when you threw in some slang. Come on. That wasn't for you. That was for anyone listening who does know. <laughs> we have a final word, then, in this POV. And that is that this was Rand's doing. Was he trying to kill us? Perrin's like, yeah, you know, I'm sure it is related to Rand, but he wouldn't be trying to kill us. But whatever this nonsense is, he's got to be tied to it. So I'm going to go give him a piece of my mind to make sure he cuts this out. That's where we leave Perrin. Now let's jump over to Matt. Now we find him hanging out somewhere in tier, some common room playing, or maybe he's in the stone. I couldn't discern it actually from the I book. I think he's in the stone. It was hard to tell. I, I looked, I'm like, where are they? And I couldn't really figure it out so it could be somewhere in the stone the best i can tell some common space within the stone he's hanging out with a group of terran lordlings so not high lords but maybe like the sons of high lords they're rich people they're important they're upper crust but they're not the big head jesus okay he's got a group of them five of them and he's playing cards hmm. now we know cards is not really matt's game he prefers dice now that being said that doesn't mean matt is bad 
it does, does still have an element of luck, although it's a little bit more than just luck, which is why he was so good and likes dice so much. But he's still picking up these cards games and doing very well with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's caught on. He's definitely winning more than he's losing. He's been playing with these guys for days. You know, this is something they commonly do. And they're just having fun. They've got coin to spare and plenty of time, so they love to gamble. Matt, however, he's not just playing a game to kill some time. He's Mm -hmm. got an agenda. What was it, Zach, that's driving Matt to intentionally want to gamble with rich people? Honestly, he wants more money. Uh, He wants bigger wagers to get more money so that he can get enough to be on his way. Yes, he still has that same plan from the end of The Dragon Reborn that he wants to get out of Dodge as fast as he can. He's already got a small fortune by Emmons Field standards. Yeah, he could buy three farms and live the rest of his life happily. However, his standards have changed. A fortune has changed. Yes, he likes the finer things. One could say he's got plenty of money already. No, he wants enough to live in the style he's grown accustomed to wherever he goes. So, bilk these guys. I need more money. Money, money, money. Whatever that is. <laughs> now, while he's playing with these guys, they're they're shooting the breeze, chit-chatting about stuff. And early on, we get a couple of comments that are insightful. One, there's a Seafolk ship in port. Now, the Seafolk hadn't been coming anymore because, well, there was a Forsaken running the town. Yeah, that's problematic. Seafolk somehow sense this is not a good place to be. But now there's one back. And these guys, you know, they're just being young guys. They're talking about the, the babes on the ship. Uh, apparently, the, the women of the Seafolk sail the ships with the men, are just mm-hmm. as involved, but are known for their exotic beauty. And the guys are like, you know, maybe I want to check that out. And other guys are like, yeah, you have no chance of checking that out. Okay, trust us. So, you know, they're giving each other crap is what I sense there. One of them says then, you know, you might have better luck with those IU ladies. Okay, that now that kills the whole yeah, conversation. The, that the, joke the did not land. No, um, and the guy, the guy who made the joke, he'd been drinking a bit. And he's like, what? He can tell right away that that landed completely flat well what's the problem nobody wants to be reminded of the aiel no these are lords of tear not only are they very present still around and occupying the stone but they took the stone in the first place the thing that was supposed to be untakeable and now they're just supposed to be buddy buddy with them a few nights ago maybe a few weeks ago at this point really they were trying to kill each other and now they still could totally kill the rest of the High Lords here and such. But let's just not talk about it. Out of sight, out yeah. of mind. They're not quite out of sight. Pretty much. And for Matt, he doesn't care for thinking about the Aiel either. Because it reminds him of all the events that have taken place. And the, the ties he has to those events that he doesn't want to think about. He just wants to focus on getting out of tier as fast as possible. In fact... The only thing he likes thinking about less than the Aiel are Aes Sedai. Uh, the Tyrans are kind of the same way there. They don't like Aes Sedai mm-hmm. either. So Matt's thoughts then quickly jump through, okay, his goal of getting gone and who he can get away with. And he originally was planning to go with Tom. Tom seems to be getting pretty cozy in the Stone mm-hmm. of Tear. He doesn't seem so inclined to want to leave. He's like, 
Rand would have been great to go with, but yeah, he's obviously not going anywhere anymore. Perrin, maybe I could get, no, I can't get Perrin to go because Fayul, you know, twitches a finger and he's like, yes, dear. There's no hope. Maybe I'll just have to leave on my own. Regardless, to leave, he's got to have enough money. So this was a real quick little thought in his head. Mm-hmm. And then he's back to his goal of winning money and realizing, okay, the buzz of the game is gone. And I, I have a pretty good hand to go in here. And there's a lot of coins on the table. And look, that one guy's starting to put his coins back in his pocket like he's going to leave. So he saves the conversation. By sacrificing some of his dignity. Absolutely. Gets them off of the, the thoughts that they're all caught up in. And he tells about his recent experience with a game called Maiden's Kiss. You want to tell us tell us about this experience, Zach? So we don't get a full explanation, but we do actually get a decent picture. Which is to say, uh, Matt was going to talk to Ruark, who's, we've seen before, kind of in charge of the Aiel. Kind of a big deal. He's also the only Aiel that literally any Terran lord's going to know the name of. And Matt realizes this quickly and just starts referring to people as those Aiel. But Ruark told him to go ask one of the maidens to play this game. Because he wanted to get in with the maidens a little. Yeah. You know, Matt Matt likes likes the women. So he did. And uh, she smiled like a wolf who had cornered a rabbit. Because... She'd never heard of anyone wanting to play that game. We'll be happy to teach you. And before Matt knew it, he had a line of spears around his neck, and he couldn't move an inch without getting cut. At which point, apparently, the maidens took turns taking a kiss, and if it was a good kiss, the spears relaxed a little. If it was a bad kiss, they moved in a little, and it went on all night. Matt does mention the nicks that I got from this were less than shaving, implying at his kissing prowess. He, he made a good impression. Is it true? Who knows? But he's not at this point wearing a scarf or anything, so that doesn't seem to be any marking. There's an implication that there was more going on to the game than just what he shares, because, okay, just taking turns getting kisses, taking all night? There might have been more happening. And that's honestly, that's something I don't think we know the answer to of what all the game might continue on to at the higher levels. Who knows? Mm. Nevertheless, it was a humbling experience where Matt was not in charge and had to play the game out. Little embarrassing. The lords listening to the story, they are just yucking it up. They're laughing by the end at the hilarity of this circumstance, and they've forgotten all about their unease and are ready to keep playing the game. So mission accomplished. So let's start playing some more. They get Mm -hmm. back to just more bets and drawing more cards and more chit-chat. There are five lords, lordlings with him. Yes. Their names are listed. Carloman, Baron, Ryman, Adorian, and Estian. And they're all at various levels of inebriation, relaxation. They all have their own unique personalities. Adorian seems to be one that can read a room the best. Estion seems to be the one least in touch with the vibes he picks up from others. By least in touch, do we also mean drunkest? No, I didn't necessarily think he was the drunkest, but he's definitely one of the more inebriated. Yes, he might be the drunkest. Estion brings up that Rand has passed a, a bunch of proclamations as the, the Lord Dragon, which he can do. 
but they're not all really cool. And the most recent one is a problem. That's mm. a big change where mm -hmm. anyone, including a high lord, can be brought before a magistrate if somebody thinks the person has done something wrong and can be brought up on charges, could be tried, could be punished, put in prison or something. And gotcha. So what we're seeing wrong. is an actual fair court of law that holds people accountable for their actions. Uh, and you can't just do whatever you want, including beating, killing, uh, and more things that we would rather avoid speaking about. But Matt doesn't hold back so much on that. Yeah, previously, that certainly was the case. We learned about that. There was a clear caste system, you know, and the High Lords were above the law. So Matt, yeah, sarcasm. He's like, oh yeah, how horrible it would be if you, Estian, were tried and judged for having your way with a peasant or for having some farmer beaten because he accidentally splashed mud on your cloak. And Estian's like, yeah, see, that'd be horrible. Will you talk to the Lord Dragon about this? Honestly, it, he goes so far as to be like, no, I wouldn't want that kind of peasant. I'd prefer this kind of peasant. They're where it's at. And it's like, no he's such an idiot an arrogant callous person not a very good person he's not a good person and matt is clearly getting worked up over this trying to hold back a dorian he senses this so he let's shift this conversation before estion ends up throttled on the floor and he says you know i've heard a rumor recently now that the lord dragon is taking us to to war against Ilian. Total shift in conversation. And it works. Because all the High Lords are like, that would be awesome! Why? Why? Going to war? They hate Ilian. They hate Ilian. It's like Minnesota and Wisconsin, Vikings, hmm. Packers. You know? Ugh, absolutely can't stand each other. That's it. Tyr, Ilian. Can't stand each other. Great rivals. And so, yeah! Let's go take them! Matt, it's like, I practically spits out his wine. He doesn't want war? No, I'm trying to leave, okay? I don't want anything like that. But they're like, so this would be great. He'll lead us to victory. We'll go conquer Ilian and then the world. And Matt's like, these guys. A month ago, mm -hmm. if they even had thought of a man who was channeling being in their city, they would have been freaking out shaking in their boots, doing whatever they can to avoid it, to stop it, to end it. And now they're talking about a man who can channel leading them and confident because he can channel, they can't be defeated. Yeah. <laughs> so then they do turn to Matt and say, so when are we going to war? Assuming Matt, friend of the dragon, he must know. And he's like, well, Matt doesn't know nothing. I don't, I don't really think Rand would take us to war. And they believe he's being duplicitous. He's lying because that he doesn't trust them. So their response to that is, no, 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 we're loyal. Really, you can tell us. It's not like some of those other Terran lords outside of the city who aren't flocking to Rand's side. Those, those dirtbags. We're the loyal ones. Okay, you can count on us. We're Team Dragon. So fun little bit of world building there. Apparently there is a resistance just outside the main city of Tyr. Should be noted, yes. But they're like, surely all those others will come flocking to the banner once it's announced we're going to take on Ilian. 
that's a worthy cause. That'll solve everything. But Matt's like, yeah, sorry, I, I got nothing. Let's shift back to a card game, shall we? And they do. Okay, and they get back to the card game. And Matt, looking at his cards, realizes I've got a freaking amazing hand shaping up here. It gets so good. He gets his last card. And in poker terms, it's a royal flush. And his luck had kicked up to a high gear. He knew it was coming. It's like before that last card, he was sure which one it was going to be. He has the mm -hmm. best hand you could have. And so he just wants to go all in and pony up, people. Let's go. Then a cock crows. And something weird happens. Before that, though, you miss something that's a little <gasps> important here. Because when he's looking at his hand, oh, you're he, right. he mutters about, you know, the unbelievable luck that, you know, maybe is coming over from the dice to the cards. And Estion here overhears him and he blurts out, see, see, I told you he's speaking old tongue. Mm -hmm. Matt had no idea he spoke old tongue right there. No. He said something about, like, burning his bones to ashes, and it was just kind of a throwaway phrase. But Ession, apparently, like all other Tyran High Lords or whatnot, are supposed to be tutored in the whole old tongue and no bits and pieces. So he knew about two words and thinks, yeah, it's something about burning Ilion down. He is talking about war. And so the lords, who have all been trained in such stuff, descend into an argument over what Matt really said. While that argument's going on, that's when the cock crows outside. Now, what is the significance of that happening? The cock crowing in the darkness right now. It is the exact same cock crowing that we heard over in the Perrin point of view. These events are going on simultaneously. Yes. And Matt clearly has heard some of the old superstitions that Fail had heard because he thinks to himself, no one's going to die. Huh? Although shifting... A little uneasily and going, stop being foolish, you know, thinking, oh, that's a bad sign. Of course, just like with Perrin, we're going to learn, yes, this may have been a bad sign. Because he looks down at his cards again, this amazing winning hand. And the last card that he was dealt, it's called the Ruler of Flames. Mm -hmm. And on it is a drawing of the Amarlin seat. Now, it doesn't look like Swan Sanche, but someone who's clearly supposed to be the Amarlin and is holding a flame, you know, the flame of Tarvalon, holding the flame in her hand. But as he looks at it again, he's like, wait a second, it's not a flame. It's a dagger. Dagger, dagger, dagger. She's holding a dagger in her hand. And as he kind of, you know, shakes it off like, wow, am I getting tired or did I drink more than I thought? She takes the dagger and sticks it in his thumb. <laughs> he's like, ow! The freaking card just attacked him. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was attacked by a card, I think I would have reacted very similarly to Matt. He throws the cards out of his hand and backs away from the table as fast as he can. Well, it almost then goes to like a slow-mo because he throws those cards out, backs up, and his chair is falling. He's going down full movie inception And the table moment. is flipping over too mm -hmm. because of how he kicked back. And the lords around here are like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, slow-mo is a really appropriate thing there. This would make for a great moment in the show. But those cards that he threw away from him? Well, the one that stabbed him is now floating in the air. It didn't fall to the floor. It's floating. Not only is it floating, it's growing in size. I agree and disagree. So maybe this is just how I read this. I don't think it's like magically floating in the air. I think all of this happens in like a second. 
and it's he throws it back and as it goes back through the air it grows because matt hasn't hit the ground yet falling back on his chair as this happens that's why i think slow-mo works because all this happens boom 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 well that's a possibility but to reference the book specific it says the ruler of flames hung in the air, growing larger, mm-hmm. staring at him with a cruel smile. It does not say that it did that over a long, elongated period of time. And as Matt is pulling for items here, we're getting here. It still describes him as he's falling. Possible. It does happen very fast. But at the same time, there's enough time for it to grow to life size and then step out of the freaking card. Okay, this figure steps out of the card. And as she's stepping out, he sees the two cards on either side also also starting to grow in size. Okay, so there's a progression of things happening. Matt, now on the ground, basically, flings a dagger. He he learned something from Tom Marilyn. He keeps throwing daggers now. So Mm -hmm. okay, cool. And And you can never keep a dagger right straight at this. Amerlin, as well as at those other two cards, and then poof, it's over. I mean, he's got another dagger out. He's ready for what's next, but it's gone. It's over. Yep. Now the cards are just cards, and they are pinned to the walls. Yeah. <laughs> They're all pinned kind of together in one spot. The rest of the cards are all over the floor, so is all the money. The table is flipped over. And the other lords, they're all pretending they didn't see anything. Yeah, one makes a comment about if you didn't like your cards, I mean, you didn't have to throw them. And I just, I wish I was Matt in that moment to go over to those cards and show I had you beat. Give me all your dang money for that comment. <laughs> but what he does do, though, is he goes over to those cards, the ones he collects his daggers, and he rips those in half. Ha, I win. Then he goes and finds the other two of his winning hand, mm-hmm. and for good measure, tears those in half, too. I know you didn't hurt me yet, but. Mm-mm, you're out most of the lords are just collecting their coin that got scattered when the table flipped over one of them i don't remember which and that's why i was wondering if we know which one's the drunkest because one of them is going around finding all the various pitchers of wine that might have had some still in there as i got toppled that was estion so that's why i was thinking he might have been the drunkest because he was looking for more wine still because I've knocked over all the wine i do note that adorian sees what matt's doing and, you know, they see him looking around for cards. And when he sees him tearing them, the Dorian has nothing to say about it. <laughs> kind of like, come on, you saw they were coming to life. They won't admit it. Mm-mm. They won't that say was, it, but uh, they're also glad juju. he's ripping those up. <laughs> yes. And this point of view section ends with Matt then going out to find Rand. Are you sure this is his fault somehow? Maybe he's going mad already. And he's striking out with the one power. I'm going to see what we can do to deal with this. Because this is not cool. So while Matt goes to find Rand, uh, so will we. Our last POV for this chapter is Rand. We find him sleeping. The other two clearly weren't. But he's sleeping in his bedchamber. And this is happening concurrently with what we saw with Perrin and what we saw with Matt. Mm -hmm. so for some reason he's already turned in he was tired it's hard talking to people all day stressful it does wear you out actually if you're the one in charge suddenly is it not the middle of the night it's night but perrin wasn't asleep matt wasn't asleep well i try to in my brain 
rack through with a cock crowing. I don't know timing scales. Why does a cock crow in the middle of the night? Well, that's the thing. It doesn't usually. Yeah. So my brain it's usually went, unusual, this must be like is... close to dawn. I'm probably no, wrong. No. Yeah, it's definitely not close to dawn. That's why it was so unusual a cock was crowing, because it's crowing in the middle of the night. That's not a normal time to happen. So maybe it's midnight. Maybe it's one in the morning. Who knows? Gotcha. It is a weird late time. But plenty of people are still up. Bran's asleep. And he's tossing and turning in his bedchamber. He's dreaming. We know Rand doesn't always have the best of dreams. And we get to see two of them here. The first one's mm. a real short little thing. And I want to ask you, Zach, what do you think this means? What the first time reader ought to discern. Okay. So he's in a forest. He's walking through a dark forest. Moraine is behind him with a sharp stick, poking him, prodding him on, making him continue forward. And he sees ahead where she's prodding him to. It's the Omerlin seat sitting on a stump waiting for him. And she's holding a rope halter to go around his neck like you would put on a horse. Okay. She's ready to put this on him. And as he's walking that direction towards her, he also sees shapes moving in the shadows on the left and the right. And he senses some of them have weapons. Some of them seem to be stalking him like they want to hurt him. Others seem to be also holding halters. So instead of continuing all the way Moraine wants him to go, he flees. He somehow just runs. And he hears Moraine call out, it's too late for that. That's the end of this little dream portion. Thoughts? It feels in many ways to be initially and obviously that sort of the White Tower going to make you a puppet, dragon, use you. The things that he's been told over and over, say by Ashamael, these concerns of his. But then getting further with those others holding weapons or more rope halters and Moraine saying it's too late for that goes to the extent of him more or less still trying to escape his destiny trying to escape this being the dragon reborn he still doesn't really want it he's accepted that it's true he's proclaimed it he doesn't want it no matter where he goes there are people who want to use that that's kind of what his inner dream i feel like is saying discord pops in the question here that before we know there were definitely people influencing rand's dreams but you know baalzman's been taken off the board is this just a nightmare or is this someone else doing this to Rand now? What do you think? Unknown. But what do you I think? would probably actually hazard to guess this is probably just Rand. Yeah. This is his this is his restful sleep now. <laughs> when people are leaving him as leaving him alone, this is what he dreams of. Yeah. I think so. I think this is just his stress coming through. Now we move on to his second dream. And he's back at the Waterwood a pond in Emmons Field where they commonly would go to swim. Mm -hmm. And he finds men there beside him, encouraging him to go for a swim. But Elaine is also there agreeing. Yes, no one will bother us here. This would be a great place for a swim. And then Min gives him a kiss and like a very, very firm, by the way, forceful kiss mm. and says, yes, no one will bother us here. And then she starts taking off her clothes. He's like, whoa, 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 what's going on? And they look at Elaine and doing and the she's, same. Yeah, pulling the dress off too. It's like, whoa. And let's he be clear here. They're at least saying, hey, let's go skinny dipping. Yeah. And he whips around back to them and he sees the other direction, Egwene. She's looking at them, looking at him, and she has a sad face. 
She's like, oh. And then she turns and walks away, vanishes into the woods behind her. He's like, no, 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 wait. It's not what it looks like. You know, it's kind of what he's like, because that's the woman I was going to marry. You know, and she looks hurt and sad and hold on. And so as he starts to run that way, the girls behind him call out, wait, don't go. And he turns to look back at them and they're in the middle of the pond now. Only their heads visible. They're basically saying, come on in. And Elaine uses the line, do you not deserve what you want for a change? And Rand is kind of stuck. He does not know what to do in his dream. He's like, well, what do I want? Do I want a Gwaine? Do I want to go skinny dipping with these beautiful women? I, what in the world do I want? And he raises a hand to like wipe what feels like sweat from his face. And then he looks at the hand. It's got that heron brand in it. Mm -hmm. But the heron brand has like obliterated his hand. He can see bone through it's like gross and horrible and it, it wakes him up. He jerks it away. It clearly from goes from this was an interesting but confusing dream to, oh my God, this is a nightmare. Yes. And as he wakes up, he realizes he is drenched with sweat and his side burns. It hurts. And it's it's where he's got some old wound that hasn't healed. What What's that about? That old uh, wound? Some fight over Falme that happened to have a magical staff-like thing stab into his side and Moraine never could quite hear it, heal it all the way. So he has a staff infection? Yep. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Rand thinks then of that last dream as he's awake now. He doesn't think he's going mad yet from the one power. He doesn't think that's what it's about. But dreaming like that is crazy. Okay, he's like, Min and Elaine have never looked at me with in any way to indicate I should be thinking of them that way. And Egwene, I mean, I was going to marry her, but that's done now. So I, mean, I don't know why I'd even get worked up about something like this. He goes so far as to say, even if she still wanted to, she, one, she's going to be nice to die. But even if she wanted to as a nice to die, I think of her like a sister and it wouldn't be right. And I, I'm just going to hide behind this whole Dragon Reborn thing and male channeler. So that I don't have to explain. I don't think of you that way. Not even thinking that she might feel the same way. But instead, I'm just going to hide behind. I can't be with anyone. But there's a legit there. Because what woman would want to be with him now? He's destined to go mad because of his channeling. I just think his perspective and emotional maturity is shown to be on the lower side here. <laughs> Well, Rand, he does recognize, despite these dreams and the nightmares, I mean, I do need some sleep. Okay, working with the High Lords of Tear, all the pressure that they're putting on me, the things they want out of me. I mean, it takes a lot of energy, a lot of mental focus. I got to get some rest. So he rolls over, tries to get comfortable to fall back asleep. But before he does, he hears something. A real soft rustling like a fabric somewhere in the room. He's not alone. So his mind goes to what? Someone's here to steal Kalendor? Kalendor's here in the room with him, on the other side of the room. Or it's so here to kill him. Could be some assassins. Dragon Reborn's asleep. Let's stab, stab, stab. Let's pull the uh, ring wraith move. Stab the pillows. Rand reacts by grabbing onto Sidene and filling himself with the power, rolling out of bed, coming up in a sword form, and whoosh! The flaming Sidene sword appears in his hands. 
And that's a flaming sword. Flames give off light. Rand has mirrors all over this room. Full size, little mirrors. I don't know, it's it's a mirror thing? Or it was the mirror room? I, I don't know why, but there's a lot of mirrors in the room and they all reflect. They catch the light from this sword. So basically the room is lit up like a light bulb. Boom. I feel like people just assume the Dragon Reborn has to be like self-obsessed and conceited and gonna want to stare at himself a lot. That's right. You'll want to see yourself. Yeah. And he sees who's in the room with him because she's well lit now. It's Berylaine, the ruler of the city-state of Mayenne, who we met right at the end of the Dragon Reborn. Mm -hmm. And she's standing here, clearly not coming to kill him. Nope. Clearly not coming to steal anything. Nope. Because she's dressed in basically a nightgown and a very flimsy robe, all made of silk. And after a moment of, ooh, yeah, <laughs> that he's awake... She gracefully curtsies, which tightens the silk around her figure. Rand notices. She is a woman on a mission. And she says, I'm unarmed. Uh, you're welcome to search. With a smile that kind of gets Rand's blood going a little. Uh, you said she's a woman on a mission. What's going on here, Zach? This whole scene is just a little bit of a back and forth with some other things that we will talk about put in there. Where Barrelane is using sex as a weapon. And Rand is still that farm boy, just like you described Perrin being. And he's not comfortable with that. Had Rand not woken up, Berylaine was going to slip right into bed with him. Absolutely. And hope that he would then perhaps wake up to this delightful experience. And then she'd have him. That was it. Hooker hooks right into him. And Rand's response to this really is, how did you get in here? That's right. My room is guarded. And she's like, well, I told them that you had summoned me. It's so like, you lied. I, why would they I believe that you would sum I would summon, summon you at like midnight? It's why and partly Rand, this is again that two rivers country living where he, he's not thinking in the more worldly sense. He's not putting together very quickly why she's here. No. He's like it's night, and so you're in your night clothes coming to see me for so why would you come to talk to me now? <laughs> She's like, Well, you know, maybe I did just want to talk, and then she lets the robe fall off. So now she just has this very clingy, very thin silk nightgown on, and he can't help himself admiring what he's seeing. But he tries to put her off. He's like, um, we, we can't be doing this. Okay, I'm, I'm promised to Egwene. Which, of course, he was just thinking about earlier that that's not even really a thing yeah, anymore. Yeah, it's a pretty flimsy defense, but, you know, he threw it up there hoping. And that doesn't pause Berylaine even for a moment. She's like, I, I don't have any issues with that. And honestly, I'm not here to wed the Dragon Reborn or anything. You know, we're just more free and comfortable in my end. And... Don't get worked up about such details. I just want to spend some time with you. And yet, she she done oopsed. Yeah, she made a mistake there. She said, I don't want to wed the dragon reborn. No. Which puts clearly in Rand's mind, that's all I am to you. Yep, that's why she's here. I mean, her seduction techniques, they were marvelous. Rand was clearly being overwhelmed and reacting in ways he couldn't control. And he's like, ah. But he caught the way she said that and the little glint in her eye. And 
If she wasn't thinking about wedding the Dragon Reborn before, she probably is now. She's got schemes going on there. This is about getting close to the dragon. Not about him. She doesn't want him. She wants to use him. And that chimes right into that first dream he had. Mm-hmm. People who want to get a harness on him. This is another one who wants to harness him for her own purposes. He has no time for that. No. So his tone changes, takes on some authority. I think it's time you need to leave. And Barrelane doesn't take no for an answer. No means no, Barrelane. Just saying. She's like, I see the way you're looking at me. You don't really want me to leave. And she moves closer. And he's, you know, come on. No, this is not cool. And she's clearly making her move. And then Rand plays his ace in the hole. He channels. I mean, he doesn't have the sword anymore. He let that go, but he was still holding the one power. So instead, Feraline seems to be moving backwards as if being pushed by a wall. And then Rand realizes she is being pushed by a wall. He's pushing her with a wall of air. Yep. How do you do that? He doesn't know. He never knows how he knows these things. But we do learn that when he does something, when he discovers how to do something, he can do it again. Mm-hmm. It's like now he has that in his repertoire. So he's just figured out how to create a moving wall of air. And not only that, but very importantly here, he shoves her basically into a corner and blocks her in there and then it says that he does something he could only describe as tying the weave off and pays attention specifically to that right so this clearly is like the first time he's done this and something important to take note of even for him tying it off allows him to not have to actively sustain that shield of wall of air now it just it stays in place he's not doing anything it's not taking any effort of him but it remains. Yeah, that could be useful. Now, Barrelane is clearly scared. She's got some invisible force that's pushed her against the wall and she's trapped. What's going to happen now? And not only is she trapped, there's other detritus and stuff from the room that was in the same path. It's all been shoved into this spot with her. Now what? Well, she actually overcomes her fear. And she tries to make the best of this. Because Rand, he's giving her a talking to. He's like, you know, we're never going to talk about this again, okay? We're going to pretend this didn't even happen, and I think you should arrange tomorrow to head back to my end. We're not going to have any more of these shenanigans. And she does not want that to happen. She's like, please don't, please don't make me go. I, I am sorry. I handled this badly. I admit it. I, I should have done something differently, but I just want to serve. And if you want me to beg, I'll beg. She gets down on her knees. Please don't make me leave. And as she gets Why? down on her knees, she also still intentionally makes everything pull in specific <laughs> ways. She just never stops. What is driving her? This is something that I think is important. Why is she so insistent on wanting to not have to leave? At the end of the day, it really seems like a political power move. And not necessarily a malicious one, but it is an intentional, thought-out strategy. And then a crock... uh, Say crock (laughs) again. A cock crows outside in the darkness. See, this is where uh, my dad is encouraging me to swear. (laughs) It seemed like the perfect spot. I see written in the notes, well, (laughs) blank. (laughs) So I'm not going to give him the satisfaction. Ah, I knew you wouldn't. But I think it's hilarious that he's trying to get me to swear. 
Is it not the appropriate spot? It's appropriate enough. So, well, blank. And then Rand sees Berylaine, after that sound, looking past him in surprise. And then, like, open her mouth to scream, but she's so stupefied, scared at whatever is going on behind him, that her mouth opens and no sound comes out. He spins around to see what's the deal, and his sword, his Sidene sword, pops into being again. And he sees his reflection in a mirror across the room stepping out of the mirror. That's not good. Whoa, what the? And it has a sword as well, just like him. Rand's only in his small clothes, by the way. This is what he was sleeping in. And his reflection, also, just in its small clothes, with a sword, looks exactly like him. Well, um, most. I'm guessing if he's right-handed, this this one is left-handed. Must be left. But yeah. yeah. The one be. minor distinction being there seems to be a lifelessness to its eyes. Yeah. Rand momentarily thinks, oh, well, this is it. I know how I'm going to go mad now because this is crazy. But wait, she saw it too. Yeah, Bear Lane saw this. I'm not mad. This is happening. Then he sees out of the corner of his eye more movement and he looks to the side. He sees another reflection coming out of another mirror and he just sweeps his sword over that direction through this reflection and it just poof kind of disintegrates into nothingness but reappears inside the mirror and starts climbing out again and he sees all over the room all of these mirrors have reflections that are starting to move out of their mirrors so he takes his sword he stabs this one right into the mirror and the mirror shatters he senses that thing actually disappeared again first and then the glass all shatters and he hears in his mind kind of like a scream ah! and then he uses the power that he's holding to shatter the rest of the mirrors before any more can climb out that seems like a good move okay and then he turns back to the one that was already out of the room just in time to block to parry as he's being attacked and to notice uh, he was a little too slow it's not the one that rolled out of the mirror there are three yeah he's got three full-size duplicates facing off against him okay this is not good now what well it's a good thing how they end up attacking him mm -hmm. in that the dupes seem to act like they're the only one in the room with him so this is not a coordinated attack no. all three of them charge him but they're all doing their own thing so he's fighting on three different fronts, but he's not fighting people using teamwork. It's not three against one. It's one against one against one against one. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They easily could have taken him out because they're him, but they're not working in concert. Nevertheless, as he's fighting against each of them, they're getting their digs in. Okay, he's getting nicked here and gouged there. No fatal type wounds, you know, no big blows. He's holding them off and he's giving back. You know, they're getting nicked up and all too, but it's hard work. Mm -hmm. It's wearing him down. He can feel the energy drain. Plus that wound on his side is opened up again. So Ouch. he's bleeding. He's also bleeding from the bottom of his feet. Why would that be? Because all that broken glass mirrors on the ground. That's right. He's cutting himself every time he moves around. So as he's wearing down, getting tired, he's like, I, I, I got to figure out, I can't just keep doing this. They're going to win. Okay. So he jumps at his bed, does a 
judo roll over it, gets off the other side, gives himself just a little bit of space. Just a moment to breathe. Puts a hand down on a on like a, a table near the bed for a moment and feels pain in his hand. And he looks down and there's a mini me. There's a mini Rand. Well, yeah, all those little broken mirrors are still mirrors. So a six-inch version has climbed out of one of the mirror pieces and is now, have at you, you know, stabbing his hand. And he's like, he grabs it. It's like, stop it. You know, <laughs> what is that? And it's like, you know, and so as he's holding on to this mini Rand, his hand starts to go cold. And Sidine is still in him. Sidine heats him up. We've got history of that from the past. So he kind of amps up on the sidine a little more. It flows into his hand. And as it does, this little mini rand goes pop. Just kind of bursts. And as it bursts, rand, he feels that energy kind of come back and woo. Right, right. So somehow, whatever had created that flowed back into him. His hand's not cold anymore. He describes it as absorbing him. And he also describes... He's not a, he's not comfortable with thinking of it as absorbing. Yeah. Now, as he was dealing with that mini rand, he'd also noticed all these mirror pieces all over the room. There were little mini rands trying to climb out of them too. They're all gone now. It's still just the three big ones. And as he turns to look at them, they're kind of shaky for a moment. Like whatever he just did to all the little ones affected them too. He did something. But then they kind of shake it off and here they come again. And the battle resumes. So as the battle's going, Rand's realizing he's going to lose if it go keeps going like this. He can only last so long. They will cut him down. But he has a brainstorm. What if he could do that thing that he did with the mini Rand? With the big Rands? That could work. Except they're also holding swords. And then he thinks of something. He's like, wait a second. I've been thinking of them as my duplicates. But they're not. They're reflections. Mm -hmm. they are what they are because of what I am. And he decides to take a chance. He hopes they're really reflections. Yeah, if, if what he's going to try fails, he's going to be dead. But he's got nothing to lose at this point. He's going to lose shortly. So he dismisses the sword, his Sidene sword. And when his goes away, all three of them are like, what the? Because their swords are gone too. Mm -hmm. they are his reflections so of course the battle's over then right no. not it quickly devolves into a tussle on the ground flying hands and fists and everyone fighting and rand comes to realize yeah he's gonna try and absorb these people but it's a quite real possibility that they might do it to him and then they wouldn't be done they'd do it to each other until there was only one left and whatever was left would be Rand, his memories, his everything, but maybe not entirely. And it definitely wouldn't be him anymore. It's a scary thought. He feels himself going colder as they're grappling together, which could be translated as they're sucking out his energy. And he sees the eyes of these duplicates taking on more of a lifelike appearance. Uh, they're not so flat anymore. He's like, no, I have to figure out what did I do to make the other ones go away? And he remembers Sidine. I used Sidine, so he channels. He does the smartest and dumbest thing he could do. Not channeling. He just he just draws as much freaking Sidine into him as he can. Pulls and pulls and pulls. And as he fills up, one of those goes poof. And then I picture and 
I, I, just my humorous version of it. I pictured the other two looking at each other for a moment and going, crap! And then, poof, they're both gone as well. <laughs> <laughs> and Rand does feel, you know, it's like the dupe slides back into him. Whatever had made them was energy that clearly must have been coming from him, and he has reclaimed it. And danger not quite averted as he has to realize, crap, I have a lot of Sidene in me. This is a problem. I might explode. Let's not do that. So how does he handle that? He luckily is able to force it back down and release it slowly. And it's some calmness again. Takes yeah. a couple deep breaths, you know, in through the nose, out through the mouth. They're very nice and calming. Yeah. I mean, he just lays there at first. You got to get that under control. But as he calms down, then, then he gets himself off the ground. He hurts everywhere. He's got all these little spots he's bleeding from. He walks across the room to where Kalendor is on display and he picks it up. You know, might get attacked again. Might be handy to have this with this powerful tool that he knows he will have to use at some point. Mm -hmm. So he's got this in hand and and then he thinks, hey, I'm not hearing anything from Berylaine. Did she come out? OK, and he turns and he looks and she's still right where he left her. She's still kneeling on the ground. She hasn't moved. She looks freaked out and she asks him, which one are you? What does she mean? Well, there was a mess of bodies and three of them disappeared. Is it the right one that's still there? To her, they all look the same. There was no way to know. And he's like, I'm the only one there ever was. I'm the one you were treating like you wanted to be betrothed. Okay, trust me. It's me. And he releases her from the invisible wall and dismisses her. And she's like humbly apologizing again, begging forgiveness, uh, and clearly is looking at him a little differently now from mm -hmm. when she first walked into this room. And with the dismissal, she's happy to leave now. He couldn't get rid of her before. And now she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm going. Uh, see ya. And I'll send in the Aiel to help you. And he's like, no, no, don't do that. Why not? Good question. He wants some me time is what it is. Yeah. He wants to actually take some time before this all turns into a flurry now of people coming and checking in and healing him and investigating what happened. Yeah. He just wants some time to think, to relax a minute. So she's like, as my Lord Dragon commands, she curtsies and hurries out. She does not tell the Aiel out there. And he and just... He does get to the point of going, yeah... I'm going to have to get the Aiel in here, and then I'm going to have to send for Moraine, get healed up. That is something I need to do, because ow. Yeah. But we're going to wait, because I want to sit and just be. Man, I miss being a shepherd. This all sucks. Yeah. Life used to be a little simpler. And just sits at the foot of his bed. Calendor is on his, on his knees and just kind of... And that's where the chapter ends. That's it. So that's the end of the regular Wheel of Time content for this episode. Now, mm -hmm. Zach, on our Discord server, we have a channel called Ask Zach or Jim. And people can put in questions that they want us to you know, answer on the podcast. We do have one of those to share today. Mm -hmm. And uh, Emmeline is the one who actually posted this question. She's here with us in the Discord, so she gets to hear us ponder it live. 
The question is, if you were going on a long road trip across apocalyptic America, which single fantasy character would you want with you and why? So I have one that I don't think is going to be like an immediate go-to pick for a lot of people. But when you think about it, I think it makes a lot of sense. Do you have one prepared already? Sure. Why don't you go first? Now, you have to keep in mind, fantasy is a very broad genre. Mm -hmm. So I've reached out wide and far. Okay. And it's maybe cheap. Probably. I'd want Superman. That is... <laughs> wow. Superman really? could handle anything that we come across. I have no problems. And in fact, he can solve just about anything that we're going to deal with. He could get anything that we're going to need. And if it gets really dicey, he, we can just fly away. So we're just going to really hope it's not like kryptonite zombies in this apocalypse, because that would be unfortunate <laughs> for you. I mean, I did fleet, fleetingly say, okay, if it's just me going across a long road trip, apocalyptic, which really, really skilled hot babe should I make sure is with me? Because that might be more fun than just Superman. I mean, Wonder Woman. I could bring in Wonder Woman, you know, I, you know but now practical i went with superman so what do you think so i actually uh stuck with our roots here in wheel of time and uh went a little left field and went with semestra the green man <laughs> i would want the green man with me because no matter where i am in this apocalypse it's not an apocalypse with him around i'm getting to sit around just at the eye of the world that kind of vibe this nice peace of the world just cut out for us it doesn't have to be actually in one place it's just where it is that's not a bad idea it held out the blight for so long so this theoretical apocalyptic area just doesn't bother us we're good that is not bad zach that is that is inspired perhaps even i don't know how much <laughs> he has for like electricity or anything in there you know, so it might get kind of boring but at the same time though when it comes to electricity, if we're already in the apocalypse, I don't think there's a lot going on for like Wi-Fi providers either. <laughs> so I think I'll survive. I'll find a way to pass uh, the time. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Well, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that, Emmeline. <laughs> We've got some of her comments in there. Uh, always fun to think of something a little different and outside the box. All right. Our final segment of the show is always to move into a spoiler room section where we're going to mm -hmm. full spoil something from this episode. So if you're a first time reader, you're not going to want to stick around for that. We again will just say thank you for being here. Look for us in social media, Discord, all those places. We'd love to interact with you some more. So hope to see you and uh, we'll definitely hope to see you in a future episode. But now let's enter... The spoiler room. All right. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. I I should, I'll have to port over the sound effect or make something <laughs> cool to put on here oh, when I we're entering we the spoiler the room. No, we'll just, no, we don't. It still shows up in the audio. But it's okay. We'll get YouTube. a new title I, screen I'll create card. a graphic here or something yeah. that comes flying and swirling in. Yeah. The spoiler room. All right. So our tradition, of course, is to roll the die to decide who gets to spoil first. This is, oh, I... It's going to be washed yeah, out too in bright. light today. That's unfortunate. But mine's pretty and it can be seen. There it is. There we go. Ooh. Yours is very pretty. Yeah, thank you. 
All right. right. Ooh, I got a 16, my friend. You're still going second. Oh, wow. I got a 19. Wow. Dang. My players are going to love that tomorrow because it means I used up all of my luck right here and now. (laughs) (laughs) They will be safe from the dungeon master. Uh, Or if you're rolling to help them, they'll be in trouble. Yeah, that too. All right. What do you want to talk about? I I think I just want to talk about generally what this is, what we are experiencing in this chapter. I referenced it with my drinks. Yeah, that's the easy one. Go for it. This is the first bubble of evil that we're yeah, talking about. Bubble of evil. Which, to an extent, gets explained, but also never really gets explained. Never explained well. It just kind of feels like Taviran all in one place and the Dark One being closer to loose. Sometimes evil just draws and pops. Just pops up into existence. And there's no rhyme or reason. There's no it is. It's just for all the good and stuff that there is and the good luck that Taviran have, the bad also is going to balance and come through. And sometimes it just pops up in weird ways. And so these three events are all just a bubble of evil popping into the world. I think it's really interesting and cool. And I wish we knew more about what exactly is going on, how, why. But there's going to be a lot more of these. And some of them are weird. Some of them are just like, yeah, Shadow Spot are suddenly here because they found us when they shouldn't have. There's some real nasty things that happen. But there's also like, I don't know, spontaneous combustion. Oops. Or the time where everything within the bubble turns to basically dust. Yeah. It doesn't look like it until you touch it. That's right back here in Tear. It is wild. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Bubbles of evil. Good one. What's yours? Mine, I want to talk about the Lordlings. Go for it. Okay. Matt has, you know, decided to hang out, associate with some of the the minor royalty, the the lords of tier, but not the highest. And he fits in with them. Now, he he's not a lord in any way. And yet Mm -hmm. somehow he seems to connect with these guys. He can be uh, the common man's lord. I don't know. Sure. He's starting to build a relationship with these guys, though. And one of them in particular, that's going to be really long lasting. Definitely not Estion. No. No. But Adorian was one who was able to read him better than others, and that's going to play out. We're going to see much more of Adorian moving through the series here as one of the guys that connects with Matt and uh, won't always be at Matt's side, but is going to carry through in, in some good ways and be better than some of the other High Lord type 10. Yeah, some of the others are just like, yeah, kind of crap. So what's going to happen later for Matt with the Band of the Red Hand and all that, really, you could say the initial beginnings kind of starts right here, hanging with these guys. Fair enough. So that's it. That That's my spoiler. More significant than one would think. Well, that's all we all got right. for today. That's it. That's it. It was fun. And uh, again, we've got to wrap this up because we have a, another live stream to do a little while later here. But <laughs> it's been fun. I think we've covered this thoroughly. And good until we get back for another episode next week. So see you later, Zach. See you later, everyone. We'll talk to you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.